Univar Solutions family, partners, and friends, what is going on and how is everyone holding up? For those of you who may have missed it, on September 22nd at 8.03 p.m. Central Time, we passed through the autumnal equinox in the Northern Hemisphere, and it truly was amazing. There's only a handful of times a year where the sun rises directly in the east and sets directly in the west. Next up will be the poetic takeover of the colorful blanket that will drape the landscape with its yellows and reds as leaves slowly lose their emerald radiance. The air will then begin to feel clean and crisp as fall will have come a-knocking on our door. Anyway, this is Andy Erickson, your host of the Smart Acid Podcast, where we left Borons be Borons, and I'm here with the gherkin to my Bloody Mary, the heartbreaker Chris Hearns. And although he may not be Carpo, the fall goddess, he is the god to my autumn and the harvest. Heartbreaker, how are you holding up these days? Anything you want to get off your chest so it doesn't percolate or fester? Andy, I am great. Uh, no, I'm good. No couch time needed this afternoon. Well, that's fantastic. I'm really excited about this month's guest. We are bringing in the whispering assassin, Lydia Smorandina, who is our resident expert in the surfactant market. And it sounds like there's a lot going on. So let's get at it. Selfishly, I'm really pumped to talk to our next guest, the whispering assassin, Lydia Smoradina. She has been in the surfactant arena for a long time, and she's going to drop some serious knowledge for our listeners. Lydia, how are you holding up these days? I am holding up okay. All of you guys know, Nicole, I am Russian, and um, Russia has created uh, huge problems for chemical industry lately. But in surfactant world, it's a really an exciting time. It's been a pretty sleepy industry for a while, and in the in this couple of years, it's it's been a really exciting time. All right, Lydia, thank you for joining us. We we really appreciate it. And you you mentioned the sleeping giant waking up a bit here. Multiple things going on in the world of surfactants. Can can we dig a little deeper, please? Can you talk to us about the integration and capacity expansions you see with producers? Integration, Chris, started a while back when we had plantation owners getting into surfactants. We started to see Wilmar and other palm plantation owners getting into surfactant space. Then we started to see companies like Ineos, who makes ethylene oxide, getting into surfactants. Then we have Indorama following the suit here in U.S. and acquiring Oxitano. Ethylene oxide is a critical component for surfactants. A lot of downstream integration that we see currently is happening with you know, raw material suppliers, understanding that there is a value in downstream molecule that they could potentially participate in. And then when it comes to capacity expansion, we have um, many surfactant companies or companies that make surfactants. They haven't been expanding their assets for a long time. And, and what we see now is finally the supply side catching up with the demand. There's a good deal of M&A activity that's occurring. Can you give us some insight into what you're seeing happening and the potential impact it may have on the market? It's interesting to see what's happening with surfactant companies because a lot of m activity was around amphoteric chemistry. Solvay divested their amphoteric business and this new entity that owns that business is Verdon Specialty Solutions. You have BSF who divested that business. Every single pretty strong amphoteric producer divested their amphoteric business. It seems like they're they're thinking about adding much more specialty surfactants to their portfolio, getting uh, offering something that's higher value, greater returns, and maybe potentially adding a different type of new technology into their product mix. Solvay and Ivonic were pretty strong amphoteric producers, and they both divested their amphoteric business. That's an interesting development because amphoteric surfactants are not under any regulatory pressure. They are have always been pretty 
useful molecules to use in a variety of applications. They add various uh, uh, properties like foam stabilization. They enhance the properties of the primary surfactant that you're putting in a formulation. So it's it's very interesting to see that there is this trend going on. Like it makes sense potentially with Ivonic because Ivonic is betting heavy on bio-based surfactants, meaning surfactants that are m- made by fermentation or kind of bioprocesses, uh, not, not a chemical synthetic process. It's interesting, maybe Solvay will be happening uh, going in the same direction, but it seems that every single surfactant company currently is trying to figure out who they want to be. Like whatever business model that they had in the past or served them well, they did well, but now they are taking risks and making bets. That's why I say it's superbly exciting time in surfactants. Okay, Lydia, let's switch gears here slightly. You obviously mentioned you're of Russian descent and a lot of things going on in Europe these days, inclusive of the conflict in Ukraine. Talk to us a little bit about kind of, you know, what's going on in Europe? What's the impact look like to petrochemical and surfactants from your lens in that part of the globe? About 60% of surfactants are still produced from petrochemical feedstock. You know, the geopolitical conflict that was um, instigated by Russia is definitely going to have impact on a chemical industry. It's not just only conflict that's happening. We also have inflation pressures. We have so much uncertainty. So, for example, there has been some surveys done around asking consumers if their purchasing habits have changed. And what consumers are saying that they're, they're migrating to private label brands and usually private label brands use less surfactants. So, you know, would that would that make a market balance if a lot of consumer demand shifts? We also know that Chinese economy is slowing down. So typically, when Chinese economy is slowing down, a lot of imports end up in Europe because it's closer. Forecasting that uh, in my in my mind, based taking all this inputs into the system, I think the supply and the demand will be very close and balanced in Europe. So I do not anticipate any major disruptions. All right, Lydia, you mentioned that 60% of surfactants come from petrochemicals production. And with my very little understanding of ethylene oxide um, and the production of EO, you know, how does that play? Does that play a large role on surfactants? I heard the supply is currently tight. What's going on there? And will that have an impact? So an average surfactant that we sell has about six to nine moles of ethylene oxide. Anytime you add six to nine mole of ethylene oxide to hydrotrope, like alcohol, a 65% of the cost comes from ethylene oxide. So if you are a vertically integrated supplier, you're in a good spot because you make your own ethylene oxide and most of the molecule cost comes from your own value chain. And if you are a surfactant producer and you have to rail your ethylene oxide or truck your ethylene oxide, you're already at a disadvantage because freight of uh, ethylene oxide is probably going to be pretty significant. And my kind of ask to the customers is to speak with their existing current suppliers and say, hey, can you tell us where this product is made? If you have an equivalent chemistry available from a supplier that's either vertically integrated on a pipeline, it, it doesn't make sense to to work with, with companies that actually have to pay extra to get their ethylene oxide to their production facility. All right, Heartbreaker, before you jump in, we have a visitor here in the studio. Holy cow, it's the Jedi Julie Carnes. Can someone give her a pair of headphones and a mic? Sounds like she has some questions she wants to ask the Whispering Assassin. Jedi, welcome. Before we let you loose on Lydia, can you provide us a little background or an abbreviated CV? What makes up Julie Carnes? 
Thanks for having me here today. And I guess I'm, I'm not too ashamed to say that my career in chemicals and surfactants started way back at the invention of uh, two-in-one shampoos. If you can imagine me in a in a lab coat working on the old PERT Plus by Procter & Gamble back in the 90s. And so now I'm here today working um, in our beauty and personal care team and our product management team globally. Extremely curious a lot about the surfactants market because it is so big in beauty and personal care. But also, Lydia, I'm really curious about other trends that are happening. Every single industry currently is focusing on making their finished products more sustainable. So when you look at consumer brands companies, they all have sustainability goals that are much more aggressive than a chemical industry. For example, for chemical industry, we want to be carbon neutral by 2050. For consumer brands, they want to be carbon neutral by 2030. Um, another big trend is mild surfactant, renewable, bio-based, mass balance. Every industry is trying to do their part to make products better, better products for the environment, for, for consumers, et cetera. It's very exciting to see that I've been in surfactants for a decade. I've never seen this type of universal approach to challenge formulations, to change things, to be open to new ideas. So thanks for giving us all those insights, Lydia. That's great um, on how the customers are, are needing all these new solutions. But how are the producers connecting to this? Just a little insight on bio-based surfactants. Um, it's, it's not an easy chemistry to make. Filtering it, distilling it, getting to the molecules that actually is useful. So it's a very difficult process. So think about like all the major petrochemical companies are now partnering with glycolipids producers. They are giving credibility to that space that that space never had. They are bringing scale, know-how. Dow had the statement that I read on their website. They said they want to democratize glycolipid, make sure that this molecule is so affordable that any company can afford every customer that we service will be able to have access to that uh, unique molecule. That's awesome, Lydia. Thank you for that intel. Let, let's bring it home here. What is one thing you would want our listeners to take away from this conversation? There's a lot of innovation happening in surfactants. There's going to be new technology coming up. There's going to be new, same, very recognizable molecule, but much fancier and nicer for environment coming out from various producers. It's a great time to think about new product development. It's a great time to think about sustainability all right i tell you what heartbreaker i wasn't looking to replace you but i think the jedi could probably make a pretty damn good heartbreaker julie thanks for joining us today and lydia as always it's a pleasure to speak with you Chris, bring us home. All right, Al. Thanks for hanging with us this month. That concludes our Smart Answers podcast. We look forward to everyone listening in the next round. Talk soon. Smart Acids, breaking things down for the chemicals and specialty ingredients market, one born at a time. Smart Acids is part of the Univar Solutions Podcast Network.